So today I thought I would uh, ramble on about something that I've tried to record about before, but for for some reason it's just never really come out. Um, never come out feeling right or feeling true. Um, and so I think today I'll try without overthinking it and just see if that kind of seems more real. But what I want to talk about is, I guess, um, what makes a relationship. And of course, there are many, many different kinds of relationships in our lives. But here, I guess I'm referring specifically to a life partner, while also acknowledging that, you know, a lot of times for a lot of people, um, it's not about finding that one person, uh, you know, sometimes that one person kind of you you grow apart and it's not that one person anymore but um and also recognizing that there are a lot of different forms of um life partnerships right like there are there are uh, open relationships there are relationships that have all kinds of different layers of um families and different types or different dynamics of relationship between two or more people so i just want to acknowledge that um, but I think for me, I'm also speaking here as a fairly fairly traditional kind of <laughs> approach to um, a life partner. And I've never really thought about there being the one, but this came up because I guess I've been talking to people who are or friends who are in different relationships and and when I hear each of us, I guess, describe our... Um, concerns or our experiences, uh, good and good and maybe not so good, or like questioning, uh, yeah, things that we are questioning. Um, it always makes me wonder what actually makes you know this particular person in front of us. Like, w- how do we like what makes this relationship between the me and this other person something that is you know, different from anybody else. Because I know it's not the amount of time spent together. Because for instance, you know, when I was working full-time, I spent way more time with my colleagues, I think, (laughs) than with anybody else. Um, And also there are, you know, there are friends where you would spend a lot of time with them, but it doesn't, like, it, it, you know, it can't just be time spent together. It's not necessarily um, intimacy in terms of, the depth of sharing, um, you know, like what what is it when you are when you are passing a day with this person that that makes this a life partnership rather than something else? So I guess my question is, you know, what is a relationship with with a big R? So years ago, when I was trying to figure out whether I should end a relationship, um, I asked a friend who had gotten married and recently had a kid. I I said, you know, when you met this person, how did you know that they were the right one? And she just went, when you know, you know. And I thought, great, that's really helpful, thanks. Um, (laughs) But... I, when I met my current partner, and I feel like I'm jinxing a lot of things with this, but, you know, let's just take it as it is and not be too superficial. Uh, because the point I want to make is that when I knew I, I did know 
And this is in contrast to that previous relationship where I felt like I had to justify to myself a lot of things. I asked myself a lot of questions like about whether I was being too demanding, whether I was being unreasonable. Um, you know, I thought about all the things about the other person that I should be cherishing. I thought about things about the relationship that I should be cherishing and how, you know, maybe growth was meant to be uncomfortable and that was why I was getting further away from the person that I wanted to be. Um, and maybe that person I was going to be was a better person than, <laughs> than I was. Um, and... Yeah, and I, there was a lot of justification, which I think um, in hindsight, one of the lessons that I took away from that is that, you know, when you don't want to be in a relationship for whatever reason, right, you don't have, really have to justify it. Um, it could be that you just don't love the other person anymore. It could be that you realize something about yourself. Um, you know, and it could be like a myriad of reasons, but I think to stay in a relationship because you have somehow rationalized to yourself that that makes sense probably isn't the healthiest. Um, yeah. So in hindsight, I think one of my takeaways would have been I don't actually need to find like a logical reason to end something. Not wanting to be in it is enough. Um, but, you know, kind of fast forward to about six years ago and I think quite early on, I felt with my current partner, we've only been together for six years, it's longer than what I would have thought with anybody else, but it's, you know, it's still short in, in, the, in the broader scheme of things. But I thought it was so interesting because very early on, I did understand that whole notion of if you know, you know. Um... And, and I started to wonder, why is that, you know? And alongside that, I guess I, I also wondered, as I always have, what is it that makes a relationship a relationship, right? Because I feel like after a certain point in time, um, you know, you're kind of basically doing daily things with the same person and you're doing mostly the same things over and over again. And it's not about kind of forcing yourselves to keep things fresh or, or needing freshness, right? But, but I found that it is, it is the difference in quality of those everyday things with this person that makes it different. Um, and so I, I feel like the best way to explain how I feel with my partner is at home. And... A lot of times when, you know, when, when we talk about homesickness, so then, okay, what is home, right? When we talk about homesickness, a lot of times I think there's, there's an element of that that is about familiarity, for sure. Um, you know, for instance, like I definitely miss Singapore a lot because, mainly because there are a lot of things there, the lifestyle, the weather, the food that I'm familiar with, the context that I'm familiar with that doesn't require any energy to explain to anybody else who's been there. Um, and my friends and family are there, for sure. That's a big part of it because ultimately I think it's the people. But for some reason with my partner, I also feel like we could be in the middle of some strange place and it would feel 
like home because she's there. And I have to ask myself, what is it that makes something feel like home in that context? Because I can't just peg all my, you know, like people, people will change. People do change. We all also go through moments of stress. And I can't just kind of like peg my, my identity and my happiness onto somebody else, right? And so I'm trying to pass apart, like, what is it about this notion of finding home in somebody else? Um... And just knowing so early on that that this works. And I feel like a lot of it comes down to acceptance. Um, and I think with my partner, it was the first time in my life probably that I felt accepted um, as myself. Not, you know, for a particular role I was playing, um, not for the person I would become or could become, not for something that I was doing, but just for being who I was. And also, as we have kind of journeyed through different stages together, for the person that I would explore being or um, would want to become and may or may not become, um, and kind of just acceptance of not just who I am at that point in time, but but like but the journey of becoming whoever we will be at the end. And that's always a process of negotiation. But I feel like that acceptance was a really it was a you know, a feeling that I never had, um, I think from anywhere else, because we are often so caught up in playing certain roles in different parts of our lives, whether it's family, whether it's, um, you know, work, whether it's in relation to, like, other people, even people close to us, like, even close friends, right? When we are known in a particular context, I think it's very easy to kind of, like, slip into those roles and kind of hold uh, parts of ourselves back. And I think that kind of very clean and simple and pure and complete acceptance that she was able to give me was quite a revelation in a lot of ways. So, you know, I... I, um, Sorry, there's a cat in the background. (laughs) Um, So I... When I talk to friends sometimes and hear about their relationships and also reflect on mine or ours, um, you know, I often wonder what makes a relationship something with a capital R, right? Uh, And I've always thought of it as a partnership because I guess partly because it has to be balanced. It has to be like an even distribution of power. Um, And partly because I guess... I've always thought that there has to be this notion or that it would be good to have this notion of kind of moving towards a common direction. And I think that that's still important, but um, what I realise is that common direction doesn't need to be some grand cause or like some huge transcendent goal or, you know, something for the wider world. It should at least be something that you both kind of have in common, though. 
Um, but it's very interesting to kind of talk to different people and also hear what their notions are of a relationship, right? Like what makes this different from, let's say, a really close friendship or like a really good sibling, you know, minus the sex, of course. Um, don't have sex with your siblings. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I think for some people it's very much like a, you know, let's kind of have a really strong partnership where personally and professionally we make each other stronger, we're striving towards something where we're very um, complementary and kind of just help each other move ahead, I guess. Uh, not in a mercenary way, just in like a, a, a coherent way. Like one plus one is more than two, right? And then I think for some people it's, it's that they have chosen to be with this person. And somewhere along the way, sometimes their circumstances change or the life, um, you know, life choices change a bit. But then they're still with this person because they love them. And then I guess I just wonder, you know, you, you can love a lot of people for a lot of different reasons, but what is it that makes a relationship a relationship? Is that too... It's probably too philosophical. Maybe I can give some examples. Um, I think some people are quite... Well, I've mentioned the partnership one already, like collective striving towards something. Um, I think some people really are just looking for companionship, especially when they're older. So I do some grief line work. I'm falling a bit behind on it, but I do kind of volunteer a bit with um, helplines where people call in usually when they're dealing with loneliness or losing somebody or you know just a difficult situation and they don't have anybody to talk to and what has really stood out about that especially for I think people and older people in particular who have lost their partner sometimes suddenly sometimes over a period of time what's always stood out is you know when I ask them hey tell me about your favorite memories about this person so we can keep the memory alive rather than you know, dwell on, on the death, although sometimes that makes things harder. It's always invariably very simple daily things like, oh, we just used, we used to wake up and get coffee together and just like, you know, potter around the kitchen together. Or, you know, oh, we used to go on walks outside in our neighborhood. Or, you know, um, she used to garden and I don't know how to garden, but, you know, I liked watching her do it in our little garden. It's really small, but it's one of my favorite memories. It's never really grand things. It's never really like an, you know, amazing trip that they went somewhere that, that really kind of sticks out. The things that people miss the most and I feel like the things these days that kind of bring me the most joy are the small daily things, Right. So what makes it what makes doing that with this with whoever you're with different from doing it with somebody else whose company I could also really enjoy. Um, and I've always thought a lot of a lot of what makes a relationship is, um, you know, growth. Being with somebody who gets me closer to the person I want to be, as opposed to, um, you know. Yeah, as opposed to somebody I, I don't want to be if I project a hit by 30, 40 years. And, you know, I, I know for my partner, a lot of it is emotional support. And I ask this because then it makes me feel a bit insecure, right? Like what, like if you are mainly in, in a relationship for emotional support or that is 
the value that this brings to you. Okay, all this sounds very utilitarian. Um, well, yeah. Uh, then, you know, what, what's, to, what's to stop somebody else from, you know, supporting you emotionally as well or, and surpassing me at it and then maybe that would be your life partner. And so, yeah. And so I guess I always wonder what is it that kind of makes something special? Um, and the weird answer I, th- I feel like so far is probably the really simple things. And I wonder if, so we've talked about acceptance, right? Just that part of that, the notion or that very simple but fundamental feeling of being seen, being okay to be yourself in your own skin um, and not having to perform, whether it's perform emotions or perform characteristics or perform a role. Right. But I think also the the simple things are kind of what serve as an anchor. Um and bear in mind that as I'm saying this, I've I'm feeling particularly untethered <laughs> because I'm living in a completely new city and um really don't know anybody here. I don't actually need to go out and meet people all that much. Um, the people I do meet while I enjoy human contact, I'm starting to feel vaguely fatigued by because none of them are deep contacts, right? Um, I find in Australia, it's really easy to have very pleasant connections with people, but a bit difficult, especially if you don't know if you're going to be here for long term. A bit difficult to form very deep connections. Um, yeah, and so I think in in this kind of state, at least for me, it's quite easy to just be very detached from, um, you know, from from a core group. I mean, well, there isn't a core group of people to to even get detached from. Um, and so when you're kind of all alone in a foreign country, I think it's it's sometimes very easy to start questioning who you are. And when I was younger, I used to find this really exciting because I could be whoever I wanted to be, right? Singapore is a really small place. If you go to a certain number of uh, certain yeah certain handful of schools, or a certain handful of you know, like it's just really small. The seven degrees of separation are like three degrees of separation, um, and I find it, I find it really difficult to disengage from some roles that I I feel like I have slipped into. Um, after a while whereas in a foreign country especially if you're not here with a bunch of other people and you're kind of here alone you can kind of be whoever you want and that was always the appeal of traveling when I was younger um, of living overseas Um, yeah and that's why I think I solo traveled so much I could kind of be whoever I want even if I wasn't actually doing anything you can't just do it in your own head but as I get older right um, I think it's very I think anchors are particularly important because that period of exploration is over. There's actually there are actually terms for these um, about identity, you know, exploring your identity, identity foreclosure, um, identity moratorium, and some of them are healthier than others, whereas some of some of these are kind of 
um, associated with higher rates of mental illness, for instance. Uh, but the notion essentially is that there is a certain period, usually in your teens, early 20s, where it is good for your health and your development to explore a whole range of different mindsets, attitudes, ways of living, um, different identities, essentially. And I think I had a very extended period of that, <laughs> mostly in my own head. Uh, but yes, as I was saying, I think I think anchors are important when you get older because I just feel like it's easy sometimes after an extended period of being um, of living alone to wonder who I actually am, what my values are. Um, what matters to me, how would I behave in a certain situation when I'm not actually out in the world as much or interacting with people as much as I should in order to test these notions about myself. Um, and I think a big part of not just my, my partner in this case, but also my friends uh, and family is that they serve as anchors, right? And I think that also comes down to the notion of home. Um where as much as you are tied to maybe who you used to be, it's also easy to kind of sense how you have evolved since then. And the added layer I would add with my partner is that the anchoring, when I'm with her, the anchor kind of um, lifts up easily and drops easily at different places. So the adjustment, um, once we've adjusted back to being together because we're long distance, but as a unit, once we kind of move, it's very easy for me to stay, um, to stay, I guess, true to myself in a lot of ways. And I think that comes from the acceptance piece. Um... Yeah, I realize this is not a very kind of succinct uh, five things to know about a relationship uh, or five ways you know this is this person is the one because, you know, not even sure you believe in the one. Um, but, you know, if you are listening to this while you're showering or driving or having a nice long poop, maybe these ramblings will help you or they might help you go to sleep. But I do have a structure uh, that my therapist, uh, my one-time therapist or a few times therapist shared with me that I thought was really helpful. Um, yeah, that I'll share now. So I was thinking about friendship the other night, or friendships. Because I don't have many and because I think I realized that for a lot of my friends, you know, I've known them for a long time, like half, more than half my life. And I think it's very easy to hang on to notions of who we were or what that relationship was when we were younger compared to now. And especially for those who have become parents, I think it's, you know, naturally priorities change a lot when you're parents when how you relate to other people also changes a lot. Um, and I've kind of, 
usually prided myself on, well, I wouldn't say I prided myself, but I was very glad that I had been able to kind of connect with my friend's kids. Um, I feel like I made a lot of effort to go and take time to play with them and get to know them because I didn't want to be the person who was not able to relate to my friends when they had children, you know, whether or not I was single or with a partner. Um, I don't go clubbing a lot. Uh, I'm not a party kind of person, but I do think it's very easy to not understand such a major life change for somebody else. So I try to get to know the kids. And I think for the most part, I've done pretty well. But I also realized in doing so, I've kind of committed a mistake that um, I think a lot of parents make. And I think I've seen my parents possibly make that mistake, which is to focus more on the kids than the adults, right? To focus more on that, um, yeah, on the child than the adult-to-adult kind of interaction. Um yeah, and then sometimes I wonder, you know, when I look at my friends, I think for me, knowing them a long time and having that history and having that context is really important. But I also wonder if I am, I guess I wonder what makes some of them closer than others. Um, and I feel like distance and convenience <laughs> plays a part for sure. But I also find in I find that for some friends I have not met that often and who live quite far from me, I feel and maybe I haven't made that much effort with them, like to, to spend time with them and all of that. But I do feel genuinely sometimes more connected and more um more joy for them. Um, and I feel that reciprocated as well. And so I wonder kind of what makes, similar question, uh, you know, like <laughs> what, what makes a friendship more or less worth putting time into, right? So that I know you rather than just be generically there for everyone, because I am not very energetic that way you know, how, like, how, how do I know? Like, what is the basis for, for a lot of these human-to-human interactions? Um, and I feel like for me, it comes down to, part of it comes down to how much can we be authentically ourselves around each other? You know, how much do I have to hold back or question or feel or, or like, worry about judgment even if, if it's not actually there? Um, so that's definitely one. And I think, of course, they should feel the same with me. Otherwise, it's one-sided. Um, and I feel a lot of that also relates to being heard or being listened to, which is in short supply. Um, as it happens, one of my pet peeves is people who don't listen, especially if they are asking a question and not listening to the answer. But just in general, I feel like being heard and having that space is a big part of getting to know somebody um, or feeling like somebody wants to get to know me, right? And and that is a prerequisite for acceptance. And that's a prerequisite for honesty, I think, in any form of relationship. Um, yeah, 
And I could kind of ramble on about that because nothing has been very structured tonight. Uh, But I guess I was thinking about that in terms of should I re-evaluate some of my long-held impressions of certain friendships and, you know, stop seeing things that are not true and stop seeing things out of habit, but just turn up and look at that person and look at our relationship as that is now as opposed to what it has been history historically. Um, yeah. But anyway, I also bring that up because... So I was seeing a therapist for some time during COVID, as many people were. Um, and I think one of the things that stuck with me was um, she gave me this kind of... This kind of three-part uh, pyramid for what a healthy relationship looks like. Um, and the first layer and the foundation of that is that that there is a good friendship between two people. And I can honestly say, I think, because when I was thinking about all my friends, I was like, you know, everybody has their own life and everything. And I think I do think a big part of a relationship with a capital R and a life partnership is that I can honestly say my partner is my best friend. And I do think a lot of that, again, goes back to being seen, being accepted, being, you know, kind of held for who I am as opposed to just, I don't know, um, being turned aside or... um, being expected to be somebody else that I'm not. So, yeah. And it's kind of like, it's a bit strange because, not strange, but I guess it it makes me feel a little bit sad and a little bit um, at peace and a little bit inspired all at the same time that, that kind of friendship piece and that acceptance piece plays such a big role in this because it's such a fundamental human thing, right? It's such a fundamental human thing to want to be heard, um, to want to feel accepted, to want to feel that you are worth being loved, um, being treated decently. But I feel like in so many ways it's, in short supply, or at least to this extent, it's in short supply for each particular person's needs and makeup, right? And yeah, and I I don't know what that says about us as a society in general. Um, I think it's kind of a beautiful thing that it's possible to find that with somebody else. And at the same time, it's just also... It's so simple that there should be more of that to go around, right? You know, I don't know. Anyway, so the first one was friendship. The second one, the second layer is conflict resolution. So how well do you resolve conflicts? Do you do so in a healthy or unhealthy way? Um, and there actually is a, like, there is a kind of framework in psychology to delineate what is healthy and unhealthy. And and I can't remember what that is. 
because I didn't plan this. Maybe another day. But I do remember passive and active is is one of the axes. And weirdly enough, and I don't agree with this, um, hoping is considered a healthy passive conflict resolution strategy. (laughs) Ah, There's so much that we don't know about humans. Um, But yeah, so in this three-layer pyramid, friendship is the base. Healthy conflict resolution on top of a base of friendship is a second level. And the third level is a common vision, like a common sense of where you are headed towards and where you both want to head towards and a convergence between where you individually want to hit each so that you kind of move in the same direction. Um, I feel like a real podcast would have started with that and then kind of dissected it and done so in, you know, a well-thought-out way. I'm normally pretty good at planning and thinking out stuff, but I'm really tired from selling coffee machines, or as it turns out, not selling coffee machines today. So I'm going to stop this and see if I can actually go to sleep before 10 o'clock tonight. Okay, bye!